0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots, to the ultimate Free For All Friday show here at the CR Podcast. Blaze Media, your host, Daniel Horowitz in the house. It is my last day before vacation, so I will be gone next week. Probably be back next Friday um, to deal with the president's acceptance speech. Um, I'm ready to spontaneously combust. I need a month vacation. So I could sit here and lament all day about the state of affairs in this country and what bothers me, but I'll only do do so for a few minutes because I wanted to really do something different and fun today to have a gun show. And we're going to have a gun instructor on the show today to discuss all you need to know about guns and self-defense. But I just want to add one quick thing on the Democrat convention, Biden's speech. You know, everyone's going to focus on the superficial aspects. But there is one important thing, one important note that the media is not wrong about, but for a different reason. Everyone's obviously talking about, oh, how presidential you sounded and it was great. Um, Because Republicans created this uh, expectation that he is is not even lucid. And I've been saying all along, I don't know what Biden has and doesn't have. There's something off with him. But the notion that you're going to win this election when you're the incumbent and saddled with the worst economy, the worst tyranny, the worst anarchy. You could blame whoever you want to blame, but it's on your watch. The notion that you could win that by simply saying, oh, the other guy is senile. You know, that's going to come back to bite you. You need to have a counter message. And what we need to hear from the president next Thursday night is a plan to evacuate from the anarchy and the tyranny. One of the hallmarks, probably the most dramatic part of his speech, I didn't watch it, but just from the tidbits I've seen, I won't watch it. Is when he promised to mandate everyone wear a mask, I guess even outside even though he wouldn't be sworn in for another almost five months. Well, yeah, five months till the inauguration. The notion that he would start this in five months is a full admission that this is going to go on forever. That is the president's opening to respond directly to that, to talk about all the things that we've talked about today. If we had time, I would go through all the new research we have On the amount of people, particularly young people, killed from drugs and suicide and despair and depression. The notion that we're going to have two-year-olds kicked off of flights for not wearing masks. You know, yesterday when I saw that story out of JetBlue, and then the story from Southwest Airlines where an autistic kid was bumped off in another airline where uh, Robert O'Neill, the Navy SEAL who... Killed Bin Laden, fought for this country like that, was kicked off a flight for not wearing a mask. If this is the country we are now, what's the point of the election? This is Trump's FAA. This is Trump's CDC making these guidelines. Now, it's a little bit awkward. But what the president can't do is gloss over this. Typically, if you're an incumbent, you want to paint a rosy picture. But, I mean, that ship has sailed. There's nothing to paint. So you may as well just speak forward, you know, speak prospectively, kind of gloss over how we got here and why you failed in your first term. But I would start with the short term by promising right this these coming weeks, I mean next week, the week after to veto any budget bill that funds cities and states that abuse our children. I would vividly paint these pictures of children being placed into plexiglass bubbles and masks over two-year-olds, and at the same time, letting go criminals? That's the narrative he needs. That's the narrative we're not hearing. I just saw they're going to have Tim Scott speak at the Republican Convention. What's he going to talk about? How he's going to let out more criminals than Joe Biden will? And I just saw, I didn't mention this yesterday, but two days ago, John Malcolm of the Heritage Foundation was appointed to the U.S. Sentencing Commission by the president, or he was nominated. He has to be confirmed by the Senate. Do you know who was supposed to get that seat on the U.S. Sentencing Commission? Bill Otis. But the phony, fake, loser, conservative think tank world beat up on him... And they kind of stopped fighting for his nomination and now nominated the guy that got the Heritage Foundation to support the jailbreak bill. This guy is going to be sitting on the commission out of the Department of Justice that really sets the tone for sentencing in in the United States at a time when we have a crisis in sentencing with the worst murderers, the worst gun felons being let go, not serving any time. And the Trump administration appoints a man who thinks that they're serving too much time. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? I can't want this man to win more than he himself wants to win. And when I say winning, I mean, A, winning the election, but you have to have a narrative to win it with. But then making... The election victory worthwhile and meaningful, <clears throat> and not turning around and validating everything the left wants to do. I mean, a lot of my colleagues were, you know, appalled. Oh my gosh, look at Biden talking about a mandate. But you know what? We essentially have it in 90% of the states by almost every Republican. Either they mandate it or they tacitly allow localities to go and do it and don't do anything about it. So what's the difference? I mean, at some point, if anything, I'll be honest with you. Again, I'm not cheering for Biden to win, but I'm just saying if Biden were to push this and win, at least in the red states, they would actually push back because it would change the whole political dynamic of the mask wearing. But again, the notion that he's going to start embarking on that in five months from now. Is this the country we want to live in? See, everyone's kind of taking this day by day. This is Trump's opportunity to show that they want to make this permanent. Talk about all the collateral damage. Talk about the, all the people that have, been, that have died as a result of this panic. Commensurate with the fascism embodied in Biden's Kim Jong-un speech last night. That's where Trump needs to go with liberty. It's that simple. Now, folks, speaking of liberty, the palladium of all liberty, as St. George Tucker said, is the right to bear arms is self-defense. Because if you can't defend yourself, then you don't have any life, liberty or property. It's why Sam Adams always said that inherent in the life in the right to life, liberty and property is the right to defend them. Because otherwise, you get zero, you don't have three. So there's really four inherent rights there. And frankly, it's why Madison was originally opposed to the Bill of Rights. Because he felt that those things are pre-existing. The right to bear arms. It was a pre-existing right. It's not. I don't like calling it the Second Amendment. Because it's not really the Second Amendment. It is a God-given natural right that was recognized from the moment they settled this continent long before 1789 and and really, obviously, um, when they convened in Congress a year later to pass out these amendments and then eventually ratify the Bill of Rights. Now, like I said, I wanted to do something a little bit different today. With everything going on, with the worst degree of anarchy and violence, of jailbreak, criminals being released... Crime going up more than it's ever gone up. Um, Really, if you look at the percentage, you know, going from a very low crime era to high crime era, we haven't seen this in a very long time. Um, And this is spreading everywhere. We need to know how to defend ourselves. Obviously, anyone listening to this show understands the importance of self-defense, of utilizing that right before it's taken away from us, which you never know. And we really need to work on that now. The question is what to get. What, you know, what sort of gun for self-defense, carrying, home defense, riot control, um, BLM comes to your house. What are, there's there's a lot out there, and I know sometimes this can get pretty heated, more heated than even ideological fights, you know, striker fire versus hammer fire, um, obviously calibers, different things. Wanted to go over that with a, a dear friend of mine that I've really gotten to know this year. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of funny, he wears a number of hats. Nathan Hyatt is a math teacher in Dayton, Ohio, and we had him on because he's become one of our math gurus for coronavirus, really peeling through some data. But maybe you guys didn't know that he is also a certified gun instructor, and he is actually a, a, a distinguished expert designated as such by the NRA in Winchester, uh, really one of the few people that have been given that uh, distinguished honor. He is a marksman. He's an expert on pistols. And I figured, you know what? Before I go on vacation, let's do a change of pace here. Let's just talk about guns. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us today and enlightening us about self-defense.
1: Daniel, it's my pleasure, and I have to be honest. I I think you're um, a little soliloquy there on the second amendment. I mean, I I don't think that can really be said much better by anybody. Um, I thought that was brilliant.
0: Well, you know, legal things, political things, that's my forte. But when we come to mechanics of actual guns, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty good at pistols. I'm really not good at long arms. I have my own perspectives, but I wanted to get an expert perspective and let's, we could, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. And there's a lot of gun channels. Um, but I want to start with home defense. So, Obviously, typically when you look at home defense, the scenario any, everyone envisions is where you got this hooded guy comes in the middle of the night. It's typically going to be one man um, surreptitiously breaking in, you know, trying not to be noticed. And you come across him and everything you do is geared, geared towards that. Um Nowadays, we have another threat. I don't know if you've seen this, but there were videos posted by Andy Ngo out this morning from Portland, Oregon, with mobs of BLM uh, r- roaming through what looked like suburban neighborhoods in Portland, shouting v- to people like to get out of their homes and really being very belligerent. Um, people saw this with the McCloskey family in St. Louis. So, could you just give us a little bit of a rundown of your best choices? And, you know, first of all, I want you to try to give us some specific options, but also some of the broad principles to think about when you're considering price. Obviously, you know, you often have $1,000, $2,000 guns, but that's, you know, and they're great, but they're out of people's price range. So, this price and versatility, safety to your own family types of calibers. Take as much time as you need. I know that's a huge topic, but seeing what we see today, you know, someone comes up to you, either they're a first-time gun owner or they might have one or two handguns that are their go-to guns, but maybe they're looking to modify given the ubiquitous threat today. Give us your speech.
1: Well, let's first of all talk about your premise of one person coming into your house, right? We have seen multiple intruders Grow through the years, okay? So right now what you're saying is true. We're seeing this, you know, grow more exponentially now than we had in the past, but this was a pattern that we were unfortunately um, already starting to see. Um, So we really have three categories, right? So we have the category of shotguns, we have the category of rifles, and we have the handguns. So let's just kind of give a general overview of all of those, right? Um, The shotgun's a great weapon, okay? But the problem with the shotgun is... Some people can't handle a shotgun. Uh, Daniel, I know you've, you've got firearm experience, and, and, and we know the shotgun kicks back a lot, correct? We know that. It recoils. And, and, and without proper instruction for a lot of people, um, the shotgun can be a very intimidating weapon because of the recoil that you get with it. Um, it's a great weapon uh, it, you know you can um, you can use bird shot or what we call buckshot. I, I I like the bird shot you get a little what we call it more pattern spread, so think about this, Daniel, think about shooting over four hundred BBs really, really fast at somebody,
0: but isn't that a problem right. in a in a more urban or suburban setting with no, penetration I, 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 issues?
1: I, 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 well, here's why I like the bird shot Daniel, that's a great question is. In your home, it's not, gonna, it's not going to penetrate through walls like a rifle or a slug or a handgun is going to. So, so the birdshot to me as a person who has – I'm um, doing defending with other people at my house. I like the birdshot because I don't have to worry about it penetrating the walls as much as I do a different caliber or a different type of weapon. Okay, So it's a little safer in those regards. Um, the other problem is, is it's only going to hold about eight rounds though. Right, so that's that's a disadvantage of the shotgun, and it, it it's not as easy to load um, as it is, you know, let's say a semi-automatic rifle or a semi-automatic handgun. Okay, so then that, that that is part of the problem with the shotguns, um, but they're a great weapon. They do make a great loud sound, which I'm sure all of our listeners or your listeners are familiar to, right? That really big, and that does kind of give a nice warning sound, doesn't it, to somebody who's coming into your house, right? I mean, that. Definitely sends a message, and also when you shoot it, it's extremely loud. It makes an extremely loud boom. Um, the boom is a big defense mechanism when it comes to guns. Okay, um, you know, you think about weapons when they were first used and they weren't that accurate. Well, they did damage to the, the to the uh, you know to people without weapons just by hearing the sound. Right, the sound was terrifying. So that's another good part of the shotgun um, is it's so loud. You know, then you go to. Your rifles, right? And you've got, you know, rifles are like SUVs or sedans. I mean, there's thousands of different types of them. But I think for home defense, we're probably going to be talking about an AR 15, right? And just for your listeners, an AR 15 is not an assault rifle, it's an Armalite rifle. That's who first made it. So it's an Armalite rifle. Now, you can get that Armalite rifle that scary-looking one that the news always wants to talk about in a whole bunch of different ways. You can get a whole bunch of different calibers in it. Um, should we talk about calibers for a second, Daniel? First, so b- b- before get you that? get
0: to calibers, I just want to continue on the rifle thing because I want you to say where I'm wrong in, in any given thing. So my premise is I, I was always a handgun man for home defense, and we'll talk about different types of guns. I'll I'll reveal what my home defense gun is. But my issue is... I understand like the, the you know, Freedom Ordnance makes um, and there's a lot of them, but Freedom Ordinance, I know they make it eight, um, eight inch barrel kind of pistol caliber carbines. You know, this hybrid between a handgun and a, um, a rifle, you might call it a long barreled handgun. Uh, but like the 16 inch barrels of standard rifles, isn't that too long to be versatile enough for um Home defense, at least inside your home, you know, inside the actual dwelling if someone breaks in.
1: You know, it depends. Okay, if you're going to be maneuvering a lot, obviously a 16 inch barrel compared to, let's say, like a 12 inch barrel or a 10 inch barrel is going to be harder to use. Correct. It just it's longer. Right. But with that length, though, Daniel comes with a lot more accuracy.
0: But but isn't this short, you know, close quarters fight? You know, you're not picking off someone on your yard or, you know, you have a big estate or something. I mean, assuming we're not talking about that scenario. So that's, that's what always concerned me about that, about using that as my go-to weapon.
1: That goes back, but that goes back to what kind of caliber and what kind of ammunition you put in it.
0: Got it. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's get to caliber. So, you know, well, I mean,
1: you know, you got all these calibers out there, right? I mean, you got tons of them and each one's designed for something a little bit different, okay? So if you go to your AR-15s, you're going to see people who have them in a 9mm, which as you and I both know is a handgun round, right? Um, you're going to have a, um, also chambered in, a 22, which I wouldn't recommend for home defense. That's going to be a really light round. You're going to have the 223, which is a much more powerful round. Um, that's the round that the military uses a lot, okay? And then my personal favorite for inside the home is called the 300 blackout, I love that round. I I think the three hundred blackout round. As a matter of fact, the special forces are now starting to change to the three hundred blackout round. So when you're looking at close quarters, I think it's a beautiful round to use. But you have all these options, right? And and listen, you know, so sometimes we're just splitting hairs, right, Daniel? I mean it's, it's oh, yeah. better to have the weapon than to not have the weapon, right? Um but but you know, so like like your two two three round, you know, you know, that that's a three hundred round, three hundred yard weapon, you know, if you have the right ammunition in that 223 right and some i've seen people take it out to six seven hundred yards but it also can be a great weapon inside your home okay with the correct round like i use i have like a some people now here's the thing about calibers right you got to remember this daniel it's like arguing um ford versus porsche right there's going to be people arguing both sides of this all the time i personally use a varmint round in my 223 for home defense little lighter won't penetrate my walls as much if that makes sense that that's kind of what i'm looking for um so you have all of these choices with the ar-15 right and you can get like you said you can get like that eight inch barrel you can get that 10 inch barrel you can get that 12 inch barrel you can get that 16 inch barrel and that depends on what you're comfortable with and what your state laws are so let's not forget state laws can dictate what kind of barrel you can have. oh yeah Uh, um the beauty about the ar-15 though is you get 30 rounds
0: which, which you would have laughed at in the past, or some people might have laughed at, but now, I mean, so, so you're saying you got, you know, let's forget about the robber, the typical traditional burglar scenario, you have a BLM riot mob outside your house, walking down your block, you want to get together with a few buddies and defend yourself like we've seen, your, your go-to would be an AR-15,
1: my go-to would be an AR-15, and if I, if I can just, I don't know if I'm allowed to And if this. you could
0: tell us, do you have any favorites within that?
1: Well, I, yeah, I, I now have a, um, actually, it's on order, I'm waiting for it, but I already know what my favorite's going to be. Is I, I, have a, I have the Daniel Defense, I believe it's coming in the 10.5-inch barrel, um, 300 Blackout.
0: Ah, 10.5-inch barrel. So, I mean, isn't it true that you do need a shorter barrel for riot control?
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. I, I just went with the 10 and a half there. You, 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 know, you know, once again, it's kind of like arguing, are you going to put mustard or ketchup on your hot dog, right? <laughs> I think that's just a little bit of you know personal preference with people. And as you know, being a part of the gun world, nothing can we, – we could sit here with gun people for 13 days, right, having this argument and nobody changes each other's mind, right? I do like the little shorter barrel for inside, but now don't forget – There's some laws about that where you might have to get the tax stamp if you want to get what we call a full stock in the back. Or you can get the half stock, you know, like the pistol braces and stuff like that. So people need to be familiar with their state laws and what they can do.
0: No, for sure. For sure.
1: I love the 300 blackout with a red dot on it. I I mean, that's just me.
0: Red dot. And and would you say is a night sight um, necessary for home defense?
1: You know, I have guns that have night sights and I have guns that don't have night sights. And I feel comfortable with either one. I think that comes to personal preference once again. What do you feel comfortable with?
0: Because I just think, you know, I, I don't have it, but it always struck me in the back of my mind. The, the the typical scenarios is it's dark. There's someone downstairs breaks in and, you know, I have those illuminating sights. but, you know, if it's sitting in my safe and I go get it, it's in the dark. So they're not going to illuminate because they didn't have the sunlight on them.
1: Daniel, let me let me give you a little de- defensive shooting trick. When you get into a combat, statistics say when you get into a gunfight, it's going to be within three to seven feet. Are you going to be looking at your sights or are you going to be looking at the attacker?
0: There you go. There you go. No, that, that, that's, that's, that, that, that's really a good point.
1: I, I'm not saying that I don't use my sights at times. I do, and, and I practice that, right? That's part about going to the range and practicing. I know at what distance I am comfortable shooting, what we call point shooting. I'm just going to point, and I'm going to shoot, and I'm not going to use my sights. I know a distance where I feel comfortable without my sights, and then I know a distance where I need to use my sights. So, you know, and that's something everybody should know. But everybody should be able to shoot, in my opinion, let's say that 10 to 15 feet in without using their sights. Yep. If they get proper fundamentals and they get proper training, they should never have to worry about being accurate in those distances.
0: And and most people's homes aren't totally pitch black so again, you would see the silhouette, you would see the figure. Um, so, so you're you like the Daniel Defense AR-15?
1: Well, and, I, and I'll tell you what, you, you can go to the other side of the. You know, you, you, you know, um, some some people will be like, you bought this. Like I have a I have Palma, a Palmetto um, AR-15s, and they are considered price wise very cheap. But they're also very good and very accurate weapons. I mean, so you know, AR-15s is like going out and buying a car, right? You can get a good one for X price, but you can also go out there and you know spend thousands, you know, easily on an AR-15. But but there's good ones at a reasonable price. You know, you can get some of those nice Palmetto ones for four or five hundred bucks.
0: Oh wow, yeah. I mean, and that's that's already you know pistol range uh, in terms of a price. So that's that. That's a good one. And I wanted to get into price a little bit, too, because, you know, obviously, generally speaking in life, we know you get what you pay for. And if you try to go real ch- cheap, you're going to get junk. Now, sometimes junk or relative junk uh, serves your needs. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a principle in firearms that. So, you always have to know, is this going to be your top home defense gun, or do you want to enjoy it at the range? So, let me give you an example, and I want to see your experience on this. So, I think the last firearm I bought was earlier was earlier this year. This year seems like an eternity. Um, I bought a Canic TPSF Elite. So, this is imported by Century Arms. Kanik's a Turkish company, and... You know, canic typically people kind of consider as one of those off-brands. It's not your your SIGs and your, um, you know, Smith & Wesson, uh, H&K. It's going to be, it's a cheaper brand. But the TPE9 SF Elite, that series, the, the SF series seems to be pretty good. And what I loved about it was the fact that it was a striker fire that was advertised as a as single action. It's almost like a single action hammer fire trigger. Three... 3 pounds. I love it. It's so much fun cuz I love striker fire guns. And but you know, but but but, but striker fire guns are typically, you know, you don't have that really good fun trigger the um the 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 follow-up shots. It's almost like boom, boom 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 boom. I had so much fun with it. But here's the thing. It's it's not one of these junky things like I have I have a certain Taurus that just jams very often. Once in a while has this quirk where it it will have a fail a partial failure to eject the casing will be kind of stuck in that port there and it, it's very rare but it does happen and people have given reviews and again I'm not trying to trash trash or advertise specific guns but I'm giving that example that you know sometimes it does have that reliability issue so look for fun shooting at the range that that's not a problem I'll deal with that it's that's not a big deal but for home defense obviously you want a sure thing so I use, um, and I want to get your thought on this. I use an H K VP nine. So H As
1: I've carried I carried I carried one of those for years. Oh my. I so a I really am IRA. in good
0: company because I felt, and again, no one's paying me to do this. I, I wish H and K would advertise with us, but HK, I mean, a lot of their guns, especially the traditional hammer fire ones, they are um, you know, could be thousand dollars, very pricey. This was a relatively new one, what, five years ago or so, six years ago. Came out, it's polymer, striker fire, like 460 bucks. And I fired about close to 10,000 rounds. I have never, ever, ever gotten um, you know a jam, a failure to eject, failure to load. I mean, so to me, that is my go-to. What are some other examples? And using that framework I just gave, am I right conceptually in what you should be looking for?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Two things. You want to make sure it's reliable, right? When you pull it out and you press the trigger, it goes bang. Because if it doesn't do that, it's not worth anything. So any of your major brands are going to be extremely reliable, right? Smith & Wesson, Glock, H&K, SIG. Now, do you want me to give you one that your listeners might not have ever heard of that's as good as all of those and a little cheaper?
0: Hey, everyone wants to save money.
1: It's the CZ. CZs.
0: But aren't they expensive?
1: Yeah, it depends. I mean, once again, I mean, you can, yeah, you can buy their 1911s that are in the thousands, but you can, you can buy theirs. I mean, you can buy the world's best, in my opinion, the world's best hammer, single-action, double-action pistol ever made, man, over $500, $600. bucks.
0: What is that, the CZ-75? Uh,
1: the CZ-75? I carried a CZ-75 for years. For years, you know, and it's got that nice weight to it and, you know, it, and all of that.
0: Okay, so that's a good segue. I, I wanted to get into that as well. You know, obviously, we don't have a lot of time. We're just going to do a little bit of a round robin here. Um, carry. Um, unfortunately, I live in a communist state, so they don't allow us to carry here. Um, Except if you um, have a criminal record, then you can carry. And especially if you harm people and assault people with a gun, you could carry. But um, in in most states where you could carry, obviously in Ohio, um, you'd be crazy not to utilize that that right that you have at this point. Um, Here's what always concerns me. And because you brought up something I found interesting. I hate small guns. I hate them. Um, you will never pound per pound be as accurate with them as you are with a full size handgun. Um, they're going to kick more, e- even That's if they're correct. better made. But it, it is the cool. It's the it's the latest coolness. I mean, they're making them smaller and smaller, and it's understandable because if you're going to carry it all day, you want it light. You want it that it doesn't feel. How do you balance that out? Like, I would love to carry my my VP nine. I love it. I, I don't need something I carry different. It every day.
1: I carried it but, every day for years. But, ha-
0: but isn't that too clunky? How do you do no. it inside the waistband? Well, you can carry inside the
1: waistband or outside the waistband. I carried it inside. I carried it both ways, to be honest. That's when I kind of converted from outside to inside.
0: I hate inside the waistband, by the way. But, but, the, but, but the point is, how do you conceal it properly outside?
1: Wear bigger clothing. You know, It's a little bit bigger. I mean, Daniel, I'll tell you this. I'll tell all your listeners this. Carrying a gun is not supposed to be comfortable. <laughs> it's supposed to be comforting. That you know you got it if you need it right and and, and let's go to this because this is really important it, it, it's hard to carry a gun i mean I, before you carry a gun you better have the right mindset that's number one you better have the right mindset because here's the deal you and i are both avid shooters right you shoot a lot i shoot a lot right
0: well not quite as much but now now that we have to wear masks but yeah
1: <laughs> when you take that gun out and especially when you strap it to your hip or wherever you're going to carry it. If I like to have it on my hip, I like to be able to control it. Once again, that's preference, right? You have a duty to every person who carries a gun and you have a duty to that second amendment to do it correctly. Because you and I both know it only takes one person to screw that up and then the media scrutiny and what happens afterwards. Yeah. So you better have the mentality of carrying that thing the right way. You better respect it. You better respect the safety. You better respect the responsibility that comes with carrying that firearm. And that would be the first thing I'd tell everybody. Mindset, mindset, mindset. You need to practice carrying, right? I mean, before you would go out and carry in public, I would tell you to all your listeners, carry your weapon at home. Practice at home. Be careful putting it into your holster. Guess how people shoot shoot themselves a lot? Putting it inside their holster. Okay, you need to practice those things. And I think you've hit on a great point, too. Everybody wants to go to the range and shoot better, right? Boom, 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 You need to practice getting the thing out of your holster correctly and safety also, safely also. Because your gun does you no bit of good if you can't pull it out of your holster correctly or in time.
0: Which is why you need to get the right holster. We always – we we advertise here. One of our sponsors is We the People holsters. And you got to get that right balance of – security and versatility where on the one hand it's locked in very well, but you could, you could draw it now connected to the drawing issue is also obviously the issue of striker fire versus hammer fire. What condition you carried in, what safeties you carried in. So typically a lot of people don't like that. A lot of the polymer um, striker fired, you know, the Glock types and HK, HK VP nine is certainly like that where you know it's it's a pretty good trigger i mean vp9 is a pretty light trigger but it's it's not a single action but it's it's they call it safety action it's not double action um and there's no external safety features i guess other than usually they have uh, trigger gar, uh, a trigger guard a trigger safety
1: yeah i never use a safety here's why a safety is another step that i have to practice because when you go into combat you better practice everything the way it's going to look right I never use a safety because there's two safeties that work, my mind and my finger.
0: So would you feel comfortable carrying in sing- a single action hammer fire gun, you know, loaded, one in the pipe, without external safety?
1: No, that I would not. Now, I always, I always, I, I always put the hammer down. So like when I was carrying my CC75, I loaded it very safely. I decocked the hammer. Boom. First pulls the long pull, then it goes to single action.
0: So the only the only problem with that is that then you need to practice at the range, single action pulls and double and and double action pulls, because your first most critical shot, if you are accosted on the street, is going to be that double action pull.
1: Yeah. And that's not going to be as heavy as a pull as people think it is. But you are correct. That's one of the reasons why I like striker fires is I like I like the consistency there. You know, with that. Also, and we're getting really technical here. So we're talking. When I do some of my shooting competitions, you, you know, Daniel, I'm shooting fast. Okay, I mean fast. So, and, and some ch- shooters disagree with me on this. But but like with with the with 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 the with the, with the with the hammer, there's always slack that you have to take out of the trigger, right? You know that there's always going to be that push it back, push it back, push it back, break with the striker fire once i've fired it for the first time if i practice it enough i can get it to where it resets bang resets bang resets bang i don't have to go reset slack bang that's just me and i also now like i carry the smith and wesson 2.0 i think that's the best pistol ever made that's my opinion i love the way it fits in my hands i also like the fact that it has a low barrel it sits the slide is lower which prevents you know i feel it has a little less recoil by the way if you get proper instruction and you get proper grip your gun should never recoil really
0: so wait wait so you you're bringing another interesting factor i think for some of our more novice listeners we have a lot of really avid shooters here they'll obviously know what you're talking about but explain that a little bit with the low bore axis versus the high bore axis i think that that's what you're just trying to describe
1: yeah yeah so so if you have a high bore axis the bore of the the barrel of the gun is going to sit higher above you which is going to give you a little bit more muzzle flip. If the barrel sits less high and just above your hand, it's going to give you less muzzle flip.
0: So naturally you're going to have less control if you have a big mountain sitting on top of the base of the gun. That Meaning, in other words, for our new shooters, this is the part that you take down, that you flip off in order to clean the gun. If that is a thick tall meaty thing that means you're going to have what's what's recoiling back and forth is going to really you know gravity is going to work against you see i guess now i know why you like cz's they have all they, they have low bore axes right
1: they do and, and, and but let's go back to this though we're talking about and myself a pretty experienced h- shooter and we're splitting hairs okay most new shooters as long as i have the proper grip in their hand they're not going to notice they're not going to notice that at all and and The proper grip, if somebody was like, Nathan, what's the most important fundamental for shooting outside of safety? Pistols, it's the grip. Most people's grip sucks. I mean, I even see good shooters who have crappy grips.
0: Now, we don't have visual here, but is there a way you could best describe that for us?
1: Well, yeah, you're going to take your hand that holds the gun, right? The the dominant hand, the one that's going to pull the trigger. Um, You want to get that up as high on the handle as we can. And we call that the tang. You get back there in the tang, and that, boom, you're going to get that in there, right? And, and then the next part that's really important is, is is getting your left hand on the gun correctly. And I'm a big thumbs forward, what they call the thumbs pointing forward grip guy, okay? And if you ever want Travis Haley, former Navy SEAL, he's fantastic when it comes to hand, talking about the grip. Hmm. So so if you if you Google Travis Haley or any of your friends, you know, Travis, anybody i listening goes, Travis Haley gun grip, boom, that's the dude right there. I mean, that's the man right there. Anyways, if you can kind of visualize this, can, and I hope everybody can, Daniel, and you can go through this. Can, can you feel the three knuckles in your thumb, like the big one and the middle one, and then that one that's kind of like at the base down there, those three bones you know, type of area? I don't know if knuckles is the right way, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my hand, I'm going to take my fingers, and as comfortably as I can is I'm going to roll them to the floor, and they're going to sit in there and fill that void.
0: And then isn't it also true that with that grip, you shouldn't see a gap in your two hands?
1: Yeah, you don't want to see any gaps. We want to fill in as much of the gun as we can. And we—I mean, we, there's tons of grip tricks, you know, like we call it setting the pin so your hands don't completely come together until you extend. I mean, there's tons of things about that, right? But getting those thumbs pointed forward... Getting that, that hand, that bottom hand, where almost it's almost like at a 45-degree angle towards the floor. You know, you take that left hand, if you're a right-handed shooter, and you get that hand to where those fingers are almost like 45 degrees with the floor. That's going to fit in there and hold that gun. It's going to take the weakness out because you're, what you're doing is really cool is you're holding an explosion in your hand, right? And that explosion is going to take the weakest part of you and go through it. And yeah. if we take all that weakness out, then what's going to happen is the slide's going to do the recoiling.
0: Hey, look, we—I we, mean, th- this is the biggest thing we need to practice. And, and by the way, I just want to say for our listeners, it's not—it doesn't sound so cool. Like I see people going to the range; they like kind of just discharging the the weapon. But I mean, it does you no good without proper training. So you're going to tell us how we could tell if we have a proper grip.
1: Well, yeah, here's a great one. You ready? This is one of my tests. Go with a buddy, right? And have them load your gun for you. And at some point in time, like they don't load your gun up all the way. They instead of like they, they tell you like at some point in time they'll be like, Hey Daniel, you got five rounds, all right, boom boom boom, five rounds. Hey Daniel, you got five rounds, all right, boom boom boom, five rounds. Hey Daniel, you got five rounds, boom boom boom. And at one time they only put three in. Or they don't put any rounds in whatsoever. So let's go to that scenario. That's the better one because the slide might slide back and you would pick it up.
0: Oh yeah. But let's yeah. go to the
1: one where they put fakes in, right? Like there's, no, there's nothing in there. And if you go and you pull that trigger and you're dropping and pulling your arms down, that means your gun's probably recoiling. Because mm-hmm. you're used to that gun recoiling up. And what do you got to do to get it back on target, Daniel? You got to pull it back down, right? Yep. Your gun should not – your arm should not move from recoil. So if you saw a video of me shooting, my hands and arms are very still. That's why I can shoot so fast. There's no movement there.
0: I've noticed the biggest thing when I've trained people, and I'm not, I'm not really qualified to do that. But I mean, family members or whatever, just breaking them in. Um, you know, maybe I'm intermediate, and, and and you know, so I train a novice. The biggest thing I find is, so so you're right. That's the first thing: pistol grip. And, but, but let's say you have a good pistol grip. I find a lot of it is psychological, a lot of the problems. So maybe it's just the noise, the experience, they're scared and psychologically they do what you're talking about, even if you have a good grip, but they'll anticipate a recoil. And, right,
1: because you see it on TV and on the movies all the time. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. And, and, and so the first drill that I do with any new shooter. And, and the people I go to the range with sometimes are like, what are you guys shooting at? Right? They yell at me. But I don't put a target down the range at all. And I don't tell them to aim at anything. I just tell them to press the trigger and hold their arms and everything steady through the whole process. Until the gun comes back to its own resting. And we shoot again. Alright, hold your arms steady and your hands steady. Boom. Boom. That's how I first start teaching people to shoot. Because here's the deal. If you're pulling your arms, or if you're moving, or if you're manipulating the gun, Daniel, does it does it matter what your your target is? No, no, because you're pulling it off of it. So the first thing I do when I teach people to shoot, if I have a brand new shooter, is we shoot without a target. First thing, no target, because I got to get the fundamentals right. Hand still, arm still, pull, boom. Hand still, arm still, press, boom. Hold it still throughout the whole process. Then we start to introduce targets and sights and stuff like that. But if you've never shot before, you do not want to aim at a target right away. Because if you're pulling and you're jerking, and you're doing all this stuff, it doesn't matter. And I do think that the trigger pull is a very highly overrated defensive shooting thing. I think it's kind of a highly overrated skill.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So you're saying it's all the fundamentals. It's all in the grip. Once you have that, it goes like butter. Um, If you if you've learned that properly. So I want to mix together what you're saying about hand grip going back to a carry weapon. And you said your choice, at least currently, is the Smith & Wesson. Is that the M&P 2.0?
1: Yeah, yeah, the M&P 2.0. That's correct.
0: M&P 2.0. OK, so that is like most carry weapons. It's a small weapon. And what I always struggle with personally is that with the small weapons, I feel I can't get that good grip because there's not enough gun to, to grip. So how do you train with that?
1: Okay, mine's a four and a quarter inch barrel. So it's not like the shield. It's a bigger one. Um, it's, it's, it's not full size, but you know, it's four and a quarter inch barrel. So it's, it's like your VP9.
0: So, so you don't have the shield, but let's say you do. Is there a good way to train when you have the bottom third of your hand dangling down?
1: I try to get a grip extender, a magazine extension Mm -hmm. that has the grip extender so I can get my pinky on it. I won't carry it if I can't. Wow. That's just me personally. I'll go to a bigger weapon. I know some people disagree with me.
0: No, you're like me. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. no, I'm the same way.
0: Because what I do is – and I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but I have a Walther PPS – I, I love Walther's. They're very reliable. The The trigger pull is one of the best striker fired around. It's not quite like the bigger PPQ, but it's among the top trigger pulls. And I, I specifically got the eight round mag, which has the automatic that that is a built-in extender. And for someone, my, I'm, I'm on the shorter side, so I'm pretty much able to get my hand on that. Some people, it's quite not large enough, but I really like that. Um, do you have any other good carry weapons that you, you have in your arsenal
1: well I, I still have my cz 75 um i have my hk vp9 um i do carry like if i'm in workout clothes or you know for some reason i will carry my i have the sig p365 which i really like um you know that's like my pocket pistol i can get a, i got the magazine extender so i can get a full grip on it so i have the two that i carry a lot right i have the, the MMP. Smith and, you know, Smith & Wesson 2.0, four and a quarter inch barrel. And then if I'm in workout clothes, I have my P365. I'm a big person, even though I have, a not big person in like size wise, but I'm, I'm a big person in, even though I have other guns, I'm going to shoot my defensive guns, like my Smith and & Wesson and my SIG relentlessly. And like when I go do my IDPA competitions and stuff like um, my, my International Pistol Defensive Association competitions and stuff like that, I'm using my carry gun. You know, I'm not I'm not there for best score. I have a fun, I'm trying to get the best score I can, but it's also training. So I'm a big believer in whatever you're gonna carry is what you're gonna do most of your shooting with.
0: Wow. That that that's interesting. So you're not into segmenting this too much saying, hey, I'll have this gun for that um, for other things that. No, I think that is very fascinating because once you become proficient in something, you know, that should be your go to now at the range. So could you give our listeners some sort of advice for best practices in terms of drills? Because I think a lot of people, they get a little bored You know, it's kind of dry. Okay, I do the same things. What are some good drills to do, both in terms of, you know, starting at a low ready and also in terms of draw shooting? If you're able to do it in your indoor or outdoor range, sometimes you have to qualify. And, you know, what what are, what are some of the best drills that really, you know, put more fun in it and also make you more proficient, both in terms of muscle memory and accuracy?
1: Okay, so I'm working on three things, okay? I'm working on my grip, okay, and, and, and I'm going to do different drills. Like for me, I shoot the little one-inch circles at like 10 feet. That's probably going to be too small for most people, so you maybe you just start with a target. But I'm going to shoot 25, 30 rounds where all I'm doing is feeling my grip. And then I'm going to shoot 25, 30 rounds where I'm working on my eyes. My eyes are on the target. I'm just I'm shooting at that defensive level. Eyes are on target, eyes are on target, eyes are on target. Then I'm going to work about 25, 30 shots, working my trigger pull. You know, just trying to get a nice, smooth, flat finger, boom, boom, boom. Even though I know in high stress situations, my trigger pull is not going to be like that. Or if I'm shooting fast, my trigger pull is not going to be like that. Still going to try to work in some muscle memories. Once again, if you go to Travis Haley's website, your people can Google it. He's got some great training exercises out there. And I do a lot of his all, all the time. I do a lot of Um, just you know, working on those fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. And the other thing I try to work on too, which has been kind of new to me over the last year and a half, I would say, is when I'm shooting really fast, I'm working on rhythm. You know, So I'll start out like bang, 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 bang. And I'll work my speed up. I'm not trying to shoot fast. I'm trying to shoot rhythmically faster. What does that do? Well, the body loves rhythm, right? And 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 if I shoot with rhythm, I'm shooting quicker and smoother. And quicker and smoother is is faster than fast and hard. So I'm just trying to get that nice relaxed, boom, 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 and, and instead of like going, I gotta pull as fast as I can, boom, boom. I'm just I'm I'm working my rhythm up. I'm working my rhythm up, and I know it's really improved my speed and my accuracy when I shoot fast.
0: Now, when you do draw shooting, do you do the same thing? You pull from your holster. Do you do double taps mm-hmm. or you do one at a time? I do
1: a double tap. Boom, boom. Yeah, because that's what I would do in a real-life situation. i double tap.
0: Now, I was trained to try to practice every time two-handed, dominant hand, then weaker hand.
1: I think that's great also.
0: So, so you see utility into practicing one-handed shooting?
1: I think there's a lot of utility in it. Yes. I mean, there could be a time when you're when you're pulling your weapon and you're fighting the person off with the other hand and you can't get your second hand on it. There could be the opportunity where something happens to your dominant hand and now you got to use your off hand.
0: Because it, it, it was amazing to me, and especially in light of what you're saying, one of the most shocking things that I found when I was young and new to shooting was to me, the idea of shooting one handed was was very intimidating. I was like, no way. Come on. You can't shoot one handed and the guy who told me was like no no we're gonna do this and I was like but I'm new to this and I was shocked that if you understand the fundamentals of grip even though like you described you're not having that meaty two handed grip which is so important still the, as long as it's a decent firearm um, you know and, and we're talking about 9 millimeter, you know the whole time we're, we're obviously talking about mainly 9 millimeter firearms the recoil is not shouldn't be that bad
1: Right. It'll think about this. Remember how I told you when we came to grip that the gun that you're holding, the explosion, it's going to take your weak spot. Yep. So if I'm shooting the gun with just my right hand on it, there's nothing on the left, right? Guess which way that gun's going to recoil with nothing on the left?
0: It's going to go to the left. So you're saying naturally you're – wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that naturally, naturally when you are shooting, let's say you're a righty. You're shooting right-handed. You're saying naturally all your shots are going to be slightly left.
1: Well, I'm going to see the recoil. recoil is going to go up and to the left when I shoot it if my left hand's not on there because there's nothing over there to stop it. So if I'm shooting one-handed and I pull that trigger with my right hand, that gun is going to naturally recoil up and to the left because there's nothing over there. That's the weak spot. If I'm shooting with my left hand, that gun's going to recoil to up and to the right. There's nothing over there to stop it.
0: Alrighty, any other, we're pretty much out of time, any other cheap options? Are there any other options that you feel for under 500 that could be a good cross for both, um, maybe under 500, under 600, uh, for both carry and home defense?
1: Well, if you're going to go that way and you're going to go pistol, right? Because you're talking about carrying it and defense. I mean, you can get Glocks for under 600. You can get Smith and Wessons for under 600. You can get CZs for under 600. I mean, all of those are good. If you're buying a name brand, you're going to be okay.
0: So you're saying you should never have to spend you know 800 on a on on a pistol unless you're a collector. I don't think so. I mean, that's that's what it seems. So uh, you know, you just reminded me of another thing. I know we were talking about this. And and tell me if you disagree with me. I don't understand in this day and age the concept of a revolver the same way I wouldn't use a typewriter over a computer. So tell me where I'm wrong on this. To me, I understand you know, it was popular also with a lot of women. They they were scared of racking the slide back or people were scared about reliability. And I understood that you 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 stick a revolver in your safe and you know you you have it loaded in the chambers there. Um, You are going that, that's going to fire. I get it. I get it. But nowadays, where, where you have such an array of relatively cheap, extremely reliable, 100% reliability from semis, they're more fun. They have less recoil. You will always be more accurate. You have many more rounds. Why would someone get a revolver?
1: Well, there's some people who like to carry a gun in like a coat pocket for simple. It's like if they're mm-hmm. out on a walk and it's in the winter. If you needed to pull that thing and actually shoot it while it was in the pocket, the, the, the semi-automatic is going to jam up because it's going to catch in that coat pocket. The revolver is still going to turn, and you're going to be okay. I mean, so there's there's scenarios where they're still fine. You know, where there could be a legitimate reason to have one over a semi-automatic. When I do my competition, the guy that always wins carries a revolver and reloads a revolver. So just to throw that out there, I'm not a revolver guy, but just to throw that out <laughs> that there. That just
0: seems to me like I, I couldn't imagine. Doing, I have not shot a revolver in years. Um, and yeah, again, I'm not I know a revolver I, guy either. I know I might I'll get some hate mail for that, you know, hating on on revolvers. I just like to me, I, I know there are a lot of people that, that were always worried about jams. And, and I get that. But, but there are so many good options, you know, unless you go down to the $150 ones.
1: Right. Here's the difference. I can always fix a jam in a semi-automatic. I can't fix a jam if a revolver jammed. And a revolver does jam sometimes. So people always really? think that they don't. It's just practice. Yeah, you just got to practice that semi-automatic.
0: No, that's, that's definitely true. Final question. Um, we're over time, but I do want to get this out. Coming back to what we started with. Um, there was a lot of controversy over this McCloskey family, um, the way they were pointing their guns, and obviously, look, they clearly weren't trained and experienced, it. And, and that's not their their problem. They they had a right to defend themselves. What is the best practice if I have, about, let's say, eight to ten, uh, you know, BLM racist violent punks come down my block? You know, you obviously don't want to escalate it beyond where it should be and start pointing it at them if you're not willing to shoot. But people feel nervous and they feel like they need the deterrent to be right. Like, meaning typically if someone comes up to you, you know when you have to pull it and when you don't have to pull it. And, And the rule always is you never pull a gun unless you're ready to shoot. But what do you do with these belligerent mobs that if you have your gun like concealed, they don't see it. So you need to, deter them, but you don't really want to pull it on them if you don't absolutely think they're going to charge you. How do you deal with a scenario like that?
1: You know, I don't pull my weapon unless I know like, like I'm going to need to defend myself. Right. And by the way, if you pull your weapon, you should call the police. Hey, I just, I just had to brandish my weapon just to let you know, you should file a police report on that. Okay. Um, because there's a good chance somebody's going to see it and that's going to happen. Right. Um, you don't want to pull the, put, point the weapon at the person, right? You want to use complete safety if you ever have to pull your weapon, okay? So that means it's going to be pointed in a safe direction, finger off the trigger, okay? All of that stuff. Um, you know, those are things where people need to get proper training, and they need to get proper mental training, and they, they, need, to, you know, they need to go through simulators and all of those type of things. Um, and those are the – remember, Daniel, when we talked about the mental part of it? earlier, like at the very beginning, this is the mental part of it. You, you need to work through those scenarios with yourself. You need to go to the range of a professional and work through those scenarios. So critical. Because you know that that's the point. I mean, like listen, if you want to be a target shooter and enjoy target shooting, like that's great. I like, I get that and I love that part of the of the sport, right? Of shooting, I love it. But for me it's about defensive shooting, it's about protecting people, it's about protecting myself, it's about protecting the people that I love. And you've gotta constantly put your brain through those different scenarios. Okay, like what am I gonna do? Right? What
0: am I gonna do? And and I've been thinking about that. I, I've been thinking about that more and more as you see this. I mean again, we, we know that Um, Both parties seem to love uh, criminals. Um, You know, one talks about it more overtly. One does it quietly. But they both love criminals. There's no deterrent anymore. Um, They're actually encouraging them as if they're, uh, you know, both. We we saw this with Tucker Carlson and the Republican senator uh, from Indiana, Michael Brown. He supports. uh blm he thinks they're a good movement i mean this this is the problem we have they're extremely emboldened and you have you have large crowds it's not one individual and so my question is i mean again picture the mccloskey scenario i'm sure you've seen the video you know you have a scenario like that where no one's necessarily like It's hard to explain. Like, it doesn't look like someone's going to charge you, but they're like, I'm going to beat up your wife. I'm going to I'm going to take over your house. Uh, You know, the stuff they're saying.
1: Here's the thing is you've got to know your state laws and every state's different. Yeah. Where I live in Ohio, that's property. I cannot defend property with, with lethal force. Okay. I can only defend myself if I am in fear of severe bodily harm or my life.
0: Well, no, but but that's what I mean. I, I mean, I, I don't think their concern was that they would leave them alone and burn down their house. I think they would first do to them what I think we're seeing many videos of. They tend to kind of do that. And you have to assume any responsible person for yourself and your spouse and your family watching these crowds. I mean, it's possible they won't do it to you, but you have to assume based on what we've seen, they would. So is it prudent? I'm just throwing this out there to, you know, I don't know if you have a sweater or a, or a jacket. You kind of brush it aside and put your, you know, hitch your thumb on the beaver tail of while it's in the holster. Is, oh, that, sure. is that kind of I've done and, that before. I've done that before. What do you mean you've done that before training or real life? <laughs> in the real life where
1: I just like, 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 you know, I had an incident I don't know, three or four years ago that, you know, the Spidey sense goes off, right? Yep. That's what I always call it. Your Spidey sense goes off. There was a guy in a parking lot who was, um, um, ducking in between cars. Right. And I just, I did just, I didn't, feel it just, it fell off. Right. Felt off. And you know, I untucked my shirt, pulled my shirt up and put my hand on my gun. I never pulled it out. Finger off the trigger on the outside of the holster that I'm sitting there and I'm going, what's going on here? And, and let me give you a little advantage here real quick, too. Daniel, here's a great tip. Anybody within 20 feet of you gets eye contact. OK, because do you think criminals? I mean, like, here's a question for your audience. Is criminals, do they like to surprise you or do they want you to say, like, hey,
0: here I'm going to come attack you? Yep. So, self-awareness, self-awareness.
1: Right. So now it's like, hey, so, Daniel, you're in the parking lot. Look, there's Nathan. I just made eye contact with him and he knows that I know he's there. And they want to distract you, too. Like, you know, you're going through these scenarios, right? Like, cause like, if you see the person who's going to ask you for money, and I'm not saying they're all dangerous, right? But the person who's going to ask you for money, isn't the natural tendency to look away so you don't make eye contact with them? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you want them to know that. And, like, I'm not trying to be cruel. I give money to the homeless shelters and all this and that. I never give money in those situations.
0: Oh, yeah. They're, they're very – I mean, we see this every day, some of the beatings, and some of them do have legitimate mental illnesses. But, again, whatever that is, it's no solace to you.
1: Where Where's my hands now? They're in my pocket.
0: Good point. That that, that, that No, exa- exactly. Exactly. It's got to be ready.
1: You get your wallet out, and you look down to see what money you're going to give them. Now, now I'm defenseless again, right? There, and, and, and listen, I'm not, listen, I, I understand this. I understand that 99% of those people that thought doesn't even cross their mind, right? And it might even be higher than that. But is it worth the risk?
0: Now, now to me, I'm just looking at this scenario that you're talking about, and I'm thinking. Perhaps this is where a a rifle would help. In other words, now, it all depends on where you are, where they catch you. But I'm saying, let's say it's at your home and you're one of these scenarios where, you know, the blood libels matter and Tifa coming down the block and oh, that's rifle city baby you know so to me because to me well not just from a, a strategic standpoint but also from a deterrent because to me that's a more natural position you come out on your porch see with the gun it's kind of it's it's small and it's hard to see so you know they felt they had to draw it and then but that that escalates it and gets you into a, a scenario you really don't want to be in if you don't want to shoot whereas if you come out with a rifle slung over your shoulder properly, where you could easily get into the ready position that doesn't that have a deterring effect to a certain extent without necessarily escalating it. Sure.
1: Now that here comes your state laws though. Are you ready? This is where things get tricky. Daniel, is that going to be considered brandishing your weapon to intimidate somebody? I mean that's, that's – I mean it, 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 you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's so many things out there and about the law, and I know it's like, oh, it's common sense. It's not. You need to study your state laws. You need to study those in detail right? because certain places – it's like, for example, here in Ohio, my dog, I love him to death. I mean I love that guy. If somebody attacks him, I can't use my gun to defend him. He's considered property in Ohio.
0: Well, I mean, I would say some of these laws need to change.
1: I, I would agree with you. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I still wouldn't because you know the saying, right? Better to be tried by 12 than carried by six. Oh, for sure. You know, you, you, you start to get into those things, right? Like, yeah, you know what, you know, and, and you're, you're asking great. These are the great questions to ask and to go ask questions and get answers. And I'm not saying I have every state law answer, even for Ohio, right? Because it gets confusing. But these are the this is Daniel. You're doing exactly what people need to do. OK, what am I going to do here?
0: I mean, these these are real scenarios. And and, and again, you know, we, we're seeing them every day on the TV. We, we, we mainly kept this away from politics. I wanted it to be a little bit more, you know, fun and mechanical. But I'll, I'm just going to come back to it where at the end of the day, Republicans are stupid for not pushing self-defense laws in the states like ohio where they have trifecta control given what's going on i mean well, the, we got the,
1: mike dewine we got mike dewine screaming for more gun control now
0: oh no no of course He's of course for- yeah well, while, while that same sob let's go uh gun felons for criminal justice reform and you just remind me of something i wanted you to talk about i'd be remiss to do a show with a gun instructor and not broach the marketing trend issue in other words I was making the point that, you know, nothing motivates people like fear. Now, I think it's harming us when it comes to the the coronavirus stuff because it plays on those emotions and that harms us. But I think where it benefits us is with the anarchy and the and the self-defense issue. That nothing makes a liberal into a conservative like we saw with the McCloskey family. I think there were liberals, my understanding at least, initially. And, you know, but you don't want to die. And are you, as a gun instructor, seeing a lot of first-time gun owners that might not have been kind of like us right-wing type of guys?
1: Yes. And can I tell you something about the gun people? When I started, I, I got into shooting later later in my life, right? And I just, I, I, I guess I had an extreme passion for it. I practiced it, Daniel, all the time. I mean, all the time. Practice, dry fire, going to the range. Practice, dry fire. Going, I mean, on and on and on and on. I was fortunate enough that I got some really good instructors, right? Um, They tell me I was blessed to have a little bit of talent on top of it. But gun owners, this is the one topic that that really broaches the biggest, widest swath of people you're going to find. So, for example… Some of the people I shoot with, right? Like it's nothing for me to go into my um, uh, shooting competitions. I'll go to some down near West Virginia, like in the Ohio-West Virginia border, and you'll there will be doctors there, and then there will be guys that look like Paul Bunyan, (laughs) right? I mean, and, and and the thing is, I think most people are intimidated by guns because they don't know how the gun people are going to react to them. And I would say, and not all of them are welcoming, I'm not saying that, but of the things that I am into, they are the most welcoming group of people I've ever been around. For sure. And and you're right. And, And from a politics standpoint, the GOP is just missing a huge opportunity here. I mean, you, you, know, it, it, you know, here's the thing. I, you know, I've always argued, man, if we really want to stop all these people from getting murdered, maybe we should make murder illegal. Right. I mean, because that'll stop it.
0: <laughs> well, it's actually not really illegal. I mean, it depends why, why you're committing it. But yeah, we had that in Maryland. I did a show with the sheriff in Frederick County where if, if you're of a certain ilk um, and the victim is of a certain ilk and um, and especially if you're under 18, it is essentially not illegal. But yeah.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, and, and you're right. You know, you go back to COVID. I, I truly believe, and I know you and I have had these discussions off the air, that we're going to look back eight to 10 years from now, and COVID's not going to be the biggest societal impact that we're going to have. It's, it's going to be violence and murder and crime um, from these times and what's going on and, 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 and what's growing. And it, it's, it, it, you know, the Second Amendment there has several factors for me, right? It, it, it has the protect us from our own government, correct? That's one factor.
0: Oh boy, do we see that today, yeah.
1: Right. We see that protect us from foreign invaders, correct? And protect us from other citizens. And to me, it's to me that the first the, the Second Amendment has those three factors to it, right? It's those three things. It protects us from all three of those. And we had a long period where we saw crime declining and, and violent crime declining and, and, and but now it's going up again. And you know, we're gonna need that and, and we're especially gonna need it, you know, I I think You know, I guess I find it interesting. You know, um, I give you a little snippet from my local paper, right? So, um, they did a story when people were um, protesting Dr. Amy Acton here, and they said um, uh, people were marching at her house carrying assault rifles. And by the way, it's not assault rifles, as (laughs) I said before, it's Armalite rifles. But here's what I found, Daniel: there was not one picture of a person with a weapon. Like you think there would have been a picture, right? There was never one picture of it. But then I saw a rally of you know a b l m rally and and it, you know and it said um, um it had a picture of guys with a r s and it said, "Here's a group of people with um long rifles <laughs> and you know you know and i just I, I just chuckled to myself, and I was like, man, boy, are we point, point uh, painting a different picture here with our words you know and 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 what it looks like and um it's scary times right now.
0: It, it, it really is. It really is. And 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 again, you know, when you talk about the laws and everything, if you are up against politically protected criminals that have a history of gun felonies, <laughs> but but, you know, you try to defend yourself, you're going to have issues. But again, like we said, you'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. And I think that's what this is all about, just getting proficient in it. and you got to do what you got to do. Um, and, and these are pretty unprecedented scenarios we're seeing, but I think, you know, as, as a gun instructor, you, you, you do want to teach certain deescalation. Um, but at the same time, I think we need to recognize the reality that you have to assess who is confronting you. And if it is one of these BLM mobs, now I'm not saying that's the only thing there's a lot of just random crime going on because a lot of the jailbreak and these career criminals were like, Oh, but you get one of these mobs. I mean, you cannot assume you could talk your way out of that. I mean, no, that's a,
1: like, let's be honest. That isn't that just about as scary a scenario as you can get. Yep. And, and, you, know, and you, know, I, you know, where I live, we, we had the protest and stuff. And, you know, I live in a town of like 10,000 and we have three police officers and they're great on duty. And, and, and for a town of 10,000 to have three on duty at all the times is, is, is an incredible number. And, you know, and my neighbor, a very person who lives in my neighborhood, I should say, um, very ignorantly said, well, it's a good thing you know, the police won't allow anything like this to happen to us. <laughs> well, those three people aren't stopping that. Oh, like, I mean, no. it, you know, they're, they're not. And and the only thing that we have is the Second Amendment to, you know, to defend ourselves. Um, you know, and you, you hope things calm down without that having to happen. But, um, you know, it's important. And, and you know, I always tell people who always say, like, well, why do you need that AR? Well, did you turn on the news today?
0: Uh, I, because I, there's Exhibit A. Th- th- there is Exhibit A. And, 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 and you know, I'll tell you, like, years ago, even I was, like— I wasn't so into the 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 high capacity magazine so much when it started. I mean, I was always into it just for convenience, you know, when you're shooting at the range because it's annoying to keep reloading it. But I was like, yeah, you know, for carry kind of gets it's heavy. You know, the more rounds you have, the, the heavier it is. But the more I'm seeing it, like, dude, I mean, you need 50 rounds. The amount of because, again, the problem is uh, more and more and more. And we didn't talk about this, but these type of dudes are on drugs, too. Um, so you get a couple of them on drugs and, and they'll come at you if they have a knife or something and they're not going to stop.
1: Well, you know, here's 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 the thing, too, Daniel, is, is you're only going to kill a person. Like people don't understand this. Like, your chances of dying if you get shot are really low. You know, I haven't read it late recently, but you know, it's like around only 10% of people or 6% of people who are shot died. I'm sure somebody's going to Google to you and send you an article that says it's 13% right now. And they're going to be like, see, that guy was wrong. But okay, well, you know, but no, But, but your point
0: is, especially with modern medicine, you know, people, you know, they wind up getting taken to the hospital. And if you don't hit a vital organ right away, then yeah.
1: You're only going to kill a person one of two ways the direct shot to the central nervous system, which is going to probably take them down right away, or they're going to bleed out. And even bleeding out, they've got 15, 30, even if you, even if you hit them right in the middle of the heart and they're bleeding out, they could still have 15, 20, 30 seconds to fight for your life.
0: Especially with drugs. Yeah, that's a long time. That's an eternity.
1: That's a long time. So, so when somebody, so when somebody says, listen, why, 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 why do you carry? Because I carry 15 rounds and I carry backup every day, extra magazines. Why do you need that? Well, you know, you know, Nathan, you really only need one bullet. Do you really need more than three? <laughs> I might, but here's what I know. When I've talked to guys who have been in gunfights and stuff, you know if that's something I've never heard Daniel, one of them say?
0: I had too much ammo. I I wish
1: – yeah, God, I just – I had all this extra ammunition in my pocket. I didn't you – know, people forget this. That's how Columbine – You know, the, the, the armed duty officer ran out of ammunition fighting with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the adrenaline pumps, if you don't have a tremendous amount of experience in combat, which almost nobody does, because usually that's going to be your first time, then, you know, you're not. And this also gets back to your advice before on safeties, because. What never works in those scenarios are fine motor skills. It's all gross motor. So, the notion that that's you can right. have your thumb, you know, push down that lever and then f- pull on the trigger, that's very difficult, um, which is why, yeah, I, I think you should never use a manual safety for your carry gun. It's got to be a gun in a condition that you are comfortable carrying it without at least that type of safety and external safety. Um, right. And that's
1: why, like, that's, like, that's why like, I never use the slingshot you know, to release the slide, you know, some people use their finger, their thumb and their index finger. That's called the slingshot.
0: Yeah. I often do and that. Why, <laughs> I still do that a lot.
1: That's why I always use the, the, the big padding on my thumb or my offhand to, yep. to, to, to rack it because you're going to lose those fine motor
0: skills. That's interesting. That's a good point. Cause I need to bone up on that. I, I always do it slingshot. I only started the other way to teach my wife because she wouldn't have enough you know, hand strength to do the slingshot. And then, so, you know, I kind of was doing that a little bit, but it's still not my go-to. So here, look folks, I learned something new today as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I use the big part of my thumb, you know, and wrap it around, you know, you know how the guys do when you wrap it around and work over top. That That's what I do just because I know that that's always going to work.
0: No, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fine motor skills and, and uh, I mean this this was back when Cuomo said why do you need 10 rounds to kill a deer hey no schmucky boy you need 50 rounds to kill the mobs that you set loose <coughs> from, from prison and encourage and de Blasio and all these guys champion and, and embolden as if they have a license to kill yeah I mean you can never have enough ammo for that I mean you look they have an army they, they have this is a militia they have roving militias in the streets and and you know the cops are nowhere to be seen I mean this is unbelievable where you see them marching in and again this is another scenario I mean we we could go on forever we're gonna have to end in in a minute but I'm just telling you like you know my question to you and I understand you got to be careful what advice you give as a gun instructor but we live in unprecedented times and typically you don't want to start something unless you know something happens and let me get your your take on this Typically, I've been against the open carry movement. Not not like always, you know, in any scenario, but just you know because I felt that it's going to tick people off and gratuitously scare them when we're kind of winning on the issue. But, but in the time we live in, I wonder if it's. Do you believe it's called for? You know, in in certain neighborhoods, to start proactively maybe open carrying.
1: I'm okay with open carrying. The only reason why I like concealed carrying is does he have one does he have one does he have one does he have one? Oh, maybe that guy over there has one you know it, it puts doubt in the criminal's mind
0: yeah but you're talking about an individual criminal like the classic scenario and i totally agree with you i'm talking about when you have a known organized mob that's roaming through your neighborhood
1: oh yeah yeah like i'm i'm perfectly okay with that open carrying a rifle or what not sure i mean
0: that that needs to be done it's your it's your second amendment right. I mean, and, and by, by the way, where I am, that's the only thing you do. So I'm in one of those crazy states where the only thing you could actually do is carry long arm, exposed, open, right? That that actually is still on the books. Now, now the police here will harass you. Likely, But it is lawful. I mean, that is the one thing that is lawful. And in fact, here's the irony. So like they'll go nuts about it. But the former Maryland attorney general, when we had the Fourth Circuit case against their, you know, uh, may carry instead of shall carry law, they actually said, well, no, you could carry. You have that option of carrying a long arm open. So they actually used that when it was convenient for them, which is kind of interesting. Um, any parting thoughts before we sew this up for the week?
1: Daniel, it was awesome. I would love to do it again. And, you know, maybe we can get some calls, you know, some um, questions from your, you know, collect some questions from your listeners at some point in time. and We can go over all that stuff.
0: You know, let, 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 let's do that, folks. Email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. You could also tweet Nathan at Wyatt Sheepy on Twitter. So that's W Y A T T. S-H-E-E-P-I-E. That is his doggy that in Ohio he is not allowed to defend with.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I wonder, I wonder, who does anybody know what he's named after? He might be named after Wyatt Earp.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay, I didn't even know that. There you go. All righty. Well, keep us updated on this as well as your COVID math. You could follow him on Twitter. He has a lot of good coverage on the data. Um, very important work he is doing on that. Uh, enjoy your new semester as a math teacher in class. Thank you, Daniel. Guys, is he awesome or what? I mean, tell me, what 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 would the Republican Party look like if you had an RNC chair like that guy? How many Republicans do you ever hear talk like that? I mean, he had a command of the facts. That was the big thing when I talked to him. I could tell he was really up. You know, like yeah, I, I mentioned the Denver study from today on cardiac deaths. And he already knew that, that that just recently came out. I mean, he's really up on things, and, and that's part of the problem. A lot of Republican elected officials are just dumb. So the dumber you are, the less you know, the less you know, um, the the less confidence you have in your views, and the more susceptible you are to buying into the lies. But this is where we're at. Make no doubt, we have a crisis. It's a very important point he he mentioned, and it's... it's uh, really spoken about by this doctor from the colorado study that you when you look at the excess deaths you can't just look at the last few months this is going to be a long-term problem meaning even if the panic porn would go away today which it won't um just the long-term damage is gonna be unbelievable in normal times if you look just at 2018 data people 15 to 24 are 26 times more likely to kill themselves than die from COVID. Or die with COVID, as many of them do. But you look at now, with the drug use and the suicidal tendencies from the panic porn, do you know how long we're going to be living with that? Has anyone ever thought about this before we lost our collective minds? I guess not. And then and then you have this data manipulation I thought it was fascinating he was talking about. They make up these numbers. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, but the Arizona health director was out there literally saying, "Don't worry. Don't worry." we are going to reassure you that we are counting every covid death and then she describe she went on to describe how anyone who ever tests positive irrespective of the evidence they're counted like she was bragging about that so we were overcounting overstating the covid deaths understating ignoring all of the death and mayhem mental health physical health from the lockdown from the panic, from the disproportionate overstating of the threat level of the virus. And then it comes full circle that we then use those deaths that were the result of the panic porn and the overstating of the fear and the panic and counting them towards the COVID death count to sow even more fear and kill even more people and then that we can count even more COVID deaths. Rinse and repeat. We live in a sick society. The only way we're going to get out of that is if we grab the power back ourselves. And the only way we do that is by acting more like Steve McLaughlin, by electing people more like him. Again, I'm really touched by that. Um, When my friend Shannon Joy told me about him, she's on the western part of the state in Rochester, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the area so well. So I was like, oh, so, you know, this is a conservative county. And I looked at it. I mean, you know, this guy doesn't pull any punches. And that's a swing county. It is more often voted for the Democrat. Trump did turn it over by a point. But again, I think there's an important lesson there. That there is a trend to catch in people in that part of the world. That part of the, the, the country, I mean. But we're not going to win them with milquetoast republicanism. Anyway, let me know your comments, questions, concerns. dhorowitz at blazemedia.com, at rmconservative on Twitter. You could follow us on Facebook, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary, and Minimum Speakeasy. Tomorrow is going to be our last show for a couple days. I'm going to be out most of next week. It's going to be a very special show. Uh, Don't miss it. Till then, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.